I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome. Hello. To the official podcast of the Gibson Review in every episode. We start off with the week in review. Move on to the main event, which is usually a topic of discussion or some main review. Then finish up with film phase, our 12 favorite movies about a particular topic. In this episode, slightly different because we did our week in review and we had so much to talk about. We were like, you know what? Let's just make that a bonus episode. And so our 75th episode will be right now happening where we review in our main event, Birds of Prey and our... Film phase will focus on our respective lists of our 12 favorite DC movies, both live action and animated. But before we dive in, a programming note, do check out the bonus episode on the Weekend Review. It is very much a DC and Oscar-themed episode. We talk a lot about Oscar-related nominees or the awards itself, as well as... DC movies that we are watching to finish up the DC animated movie stuff. So do check that out as a great segue to this proper episode, our 75th episode. That being said, let's dive on into the main event and our review of Birds of Prey. You know what a harlequin is? A harlequin's role is to serve. It's nothing without a master. No one gives two shits who we are beyond that. The Joker and I broke up. I wanted a fresh start. But it turns out I wasn't the only Damon Gotham looking for emancipation. This queen, she belongs to me. Who are you guys? Here's the deal, queen. You need me. Chick, I'll accept broad lady woman, and on occasion bitch. Bitch? What are you talking about? that for me, will And that was from the trailer to Birds of Prey, 
the latest offering from DC Comics and Warner Brothers. This film stars Margot Robbie, Rosie Perez, Journey Smollett-Bell, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Ewan McGregor, and Chris Messina. Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn is about uh, the following, according to IMDb. After splitting with Joker, Harley Quinn joins superheroes Black Canary, Huntress, and Renee Montoya to save a young girl from an evil crime lord. That is more like a second half premise than a first half premise, but there you go. And it's worth noting that on the day of recording this review, for whatever reason, Warner Brothers Studio, I guess uh, thinking that there's some sort of damage control that they have to do, has decided to change the name of the movie as though that is an issue. Calling it Birds of Prey or Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey. We'll get into our thoughts on that. This film, by the way, is directed by Kathy Yan. And written by Christina Hodson. Kathy Yan is a fairly new name to me. Uh, apparently, she directed five uh, films in total, but um, most of them are short films. She did a film called Dead Pigs in 2018, I have never heard of before. And then, as far as Christina Hodson goes, She's also a name I'm not terribly familiar with, but she apparently previously worked on Bumblebee, a movie called Unforgettable, a movie called Shut In. She is working on the script for Flash. So it's worth it's just worth noting that this film is a triple F rated film, and these are the talents behind making this film possible. Now, Mm -hmm. when we typically review a film, we like to first talk about the good, what we liked about a movie, what worked for us, before moving on to the bad, what sort of flaws were in the film, what didn't work for us, what sucked about a movie. And then we have our, you know, in-depth, spoiler-filled conversation and final thoughts. Of course, along the way, we like to try to weigh how, you know, whether the good outweighs the bad. So, Shanna... I think you have been looking forward to this movie. I listed it as one of the five movies of 2020 I'm looking forward to most in our 2020 preview episode last time. What did you think of Birds of Prey and what was good about it? I loved this film. It was unexpectedly even better than I thought it was going to be. You know, I'm a big fan of margot robbie we both are and i trust anything this woman is going to be in i just you know we don't always know what the rest of the film is going to look like do we kind of like in suicide squad the best thing about Mm -hmm. it is harley yeah good example yep Mm -hmm. uh aka margot robbie we're just going to go with harley from now on (laughs) and in this one i thought well you know maybe it'll be a little better than suicide squad but of course the best part's going to be harley well That was not the case with this film. With this film, every part of it was awesome. I fell in love with all the characters, you know, her group. I fell in love with her group. And it was just so much fun. And the, like, 
the woman in me was cheering and freaking out and having fun and laughing and saying yes please throughout the film. Uh, I was the only woman in that screening that we watched. Not that there was like a packed screening. No. It was a Monday morning, just so you know. There were about eight people, maybe ten Mm -hmm. people in total, and I was the only woman. So I was having a romping good time. (laughs) I don't know what all the other men were having, what kind of experience they were having, but I thoroughly enjoyed this film, and I want to go see it again. I will say it's good that you noticed who was in the screening. I did not, and... I am encouraged by the fact that you didn't really see any other women in the screening. And men were coming to see this film. And the reason why I'm encouraged by that is there is a history of uh, issues with men coming to see movies that are fronted by more than one woman, right? If If it's one woman, you know, like Alien or... Terminator 2, whatever. One woman, they can deal with that. Wonder Woman, no problem. But it seems like the more women in the cast, like an ensemble cast, they, they, there's a less turnout. So I'm I'm encouraged to, to hear. Well, don't get me wrong. I mean, I heard the one person have a conversation with the friend he was with, and he said, oh, we're going to watch the movie with Joker's girlfriend. Okay. So I was like, oh, well, you know, at least you're going to go watch it. At least you're going to go watch it. And yeah. fingers crossed, you do not represent most men going to see this yeah. <laughs> in yeah. that regard. So uh, was uh, anything else you wanted to say about what was good about the film? I want to say that I really loved the title of the film, Birds of Prey and the Fabulous Emancipation of, Harley, of, of one, one Harley, Harley Quinn. Quinn. And I loved it because, like, if she got to name it, that's what she would name it, you know? Yeah. And what's lovely about it is when I saw Birds of Prey, I was like, aren't Birds of Prey like the good guys? The good girls, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought, and then Harley's with them. So is Harley going to switch? You know, is she going to get rid of her fantastic inhibition-free self? And what it really was is it was Harley Quinn having a movie but bringing others, other female heroes or villains along with her mm. uh, so that they could, you know break off and have their own sequel. It's kind of like she's bringing them to the front with her. So it's a lovely female camaraderie. Yeah, I mean, she is the only true and true villain of the ensemble. Everybody else has, like, uh, you know, it's not black and white. Everybody's kind of gray in it. They're kind of anti-heroines. And, um, you know, no one's morally superior or anything, you know? And I think... That's what this film did really well. And I think that DC is better at this kind of route when it's being done by the right people uh, than Marvel. Marvel, Mm. I feel, is very black and white. You know, like you're either a good guy or you're a bad guy. Um, Well, I will push back on that because the uh brilliance of Infinity War is Uh it made Thanos sympathetic. And you could understand Thanos and where where he's coming from and his perspective. He was a fully realized character who wasn't evil for evil's sake. <sighs> that's kind of true for a, a, a good handful of their characters, too. You know, like one could say that's one of the things that makes Killmonger uh, a standout from Black Panther because he has his worldview and his perspective. 
you know, just from being burned by okay, life. Okay, but and... which heroes are gray? Okay, that's fair. That's because fair. in sure. DC universe, I think everyone is gray. Yeah, you get to more a certain of, extent. You get more of what you're talking about in the Marvel TV shows on Netflix. Okay. You know, with Daredevil and stuff. Yeah, such. and they've picked very specific characters to do that with. Yeah. But movie-wise, yeah. no. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So okay. I highly recommend this film. I think everybody should watch it. Girls' night, date night, by yourself night. Mm-hmm. Go watch it. It's a lot of fun. So I will say I, I pretty much second you in this. This, this movie is an absolute blast. I can't believe that there's reports uh, that this thing is not doing that well financially because everybody I'm seeing on social media and people I know either want to or have seen this movie. Uh, so it seems like it's get it's got traction, you know? I don't know. I, it's only when I see these articles come out that I start seeing comments from people coming out of the woodwork like, well... The trailer didn't look that good, or, well, it's not really the real Birds of Prey. Which, first of all, that trailer was freaking fantastic and made me extraordinarily excited to see this movie. I could not wait after watching that trailer. So, no, you're wrong there. I mean, I don't know what they could have done differently in a trailer to make it look even as cool as it. I mean, it, it paid. It definitely paid off in the movie what was being sold in the trailer. Second, it doesn't matter, little Mister Comic Book Boy, to what extent it is the real or makeup of Birds of Prey. And by the way, the makeup of the group Birds Birds of Prey has changed. You know, the, there's. It doesn't matter, ultimately. Really, it doesn't matter. You know, what they do in the film matters. And I think what they do in this film is, A, totally deliver on everything Suicide Squad could not do, which is deliver a really fun, really propulsive, just energetic action film. Deliver on a script that makes sense with characters you can actually, I don't know, like and and uh, want to get behind or like think are cool in any way and let's talk about that right you have Junie Smollett Bell playing Black Canary who is um, Dinah Lance in case you don't know she's a in this film a lounge singer who also has incredible fighting skills you have Renee Montoya, who, if I'm not mistaken, was a character created by Bruce Timm's Batman animated series, who's a cop in the GCPD, Gotham City Police Department, uh, played by Rosie Perez in this film. So she's middle-aged in this film, but she's also in the comics. She was revealed later on to be uh, lesbian, and they remain true to that in this with having another cast member ali wan playing an ex-girlfriend but she's also like very driven in her career and she just keeps getting uh becoming a victim of the patriarchy so this movie does introduce some of those real themes and you would believe that renee montoya might actually be the victim of some of these patriarchal themes of being passed up for the due that she's actually deserved. You also have 
Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Huntress, who is actually probably of all of them the biggest surprise and probably has the least amount of screen time. But what she does with her screen time is just gold. I mean, she really makes the most out of it. Uh, we could talk more about that in spoilers, I think. Um, and then you have uh, Cassandra Kane, who I know as a version of Batgirl in the comics. She is played in this film by Ella J. Basco, who is an actress I'm not familiar with. But they basically make her a foster kid, a teenager, who goes around and pick po- picks pockets. And she essentially becomes the MacGuffin of the movie. And what she has that she's picked, pickpocketed? Um, it becomes... Pickpucked. <laughs> yeah. Becomes the MacGuffin of the movie, right? Yeah. Now, all of this, all these characters have some relation to the main bad guy, the main antagonist of the movie, which is Black Mask, played by Aaron Ewan McGregor. He mostly knows goes by the name Roman Sionis. I think it's the real name of Black Mask in the comics. I imagine so. Why would they change it? And, and he has just a great time in this. I think this is an Ewan McGregor you've never really seen before. And he does... You know, we talked about in Under the Red Hood. We watched that not too long ago. We talked about how that movie has this interesting balance with the Black Mask character of kind of comic but also sinister. Well... He's here's my interpretation of it. It's a really good depiction of a spoiled white boy that's now grown up and does whatever he wants, but uh, also doesn't quite understand how the real world works. So he throws tantrums in between. That's him in this movie. Yeah, um, I felt that way in Under the Red Hood too, mm. to some extent. Okay. Um, in this one, I think in Under the Red Hood. He kind of looks like how women have been described for centuries, where women are the hysterical people, and then you watch Under the Red Hood, and he is completely hysterical, throwing Mm. tantrums, killing people whenever he wants, and his assistant, who is female, is completely level key and getting shit done. So I, I think that they chose a good villain for... Birds of Prey yeah. and the Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. <laughs> so I also wanted to say that there is cheering of women throughout this film. And you can tell that it's made by women for women. It's not male gazy. All of Harlequin's fashion items I want to buy. <laughs> That's and awesome. And I'm, I'm not into this kind of fashion, but here's why I want to do it. Because every piece that she wears is her own. And every piece that she wears is a rebellion against the societal, well, not societal really, more like patriarchy. It's a rebellion of the patriarchy. And... I just love it so much. Even her pants have pockets, you know? That's like rebellion right there. <laughs> so, you know, you've got her fashion being that statement. You know, she, she, she even has this wonderful moment where it's like, why does... What's the villain's name? Roman. Roman. Why does Roman not like me? And it gives you, like, it shows you in text form as well as her voiceover and her voiceover gets faster and faster and he's like she's like reasons why he doesn't like me 
Um, like grievances. Yeah. They, yeah. Joker's girlfriend have a vagina has a vagina. Voted for Bernie, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it's really just awesome stuff. Then you've got all the other characters too. I mean, who's going to pay attention to a pickpocketing girl? She's a girl. We're not going to pay attention to her. She's not important. Uh, we've got um, Black Canary. Uh, she's just a singer girl. We don't have to worry about her. We don't have to mm. think that she's capable of anything else. And then we find out she is. And, you know, then we've got this awesome detective who knows her shit. And sure, she's quirky because her style is, what do they call it? 80s films, 70s films, 60s Oh, the films? way she talks. Yeah. She's yeah. like from old it's detective like, shows. Yes. Also, they touch on her alcoholism, which is interesting, too. That was something else that was introduced oh. in the comics. And, um, and well, that I, plays in this movie, too. Okay. Well, I just love how, you know, it shows she got ignored. It it shows men ridiculing her mm-hmm. between her superior and then her partner, totally ridiculing her. And then her actual love interest, um, a woman sitting next to her, doesn't go to bat for her because she sees what's happening. And she's like, I'm not going to stand up to this kind of thing. So it's it's super interesting. And then, of course, I'm forgetting about crossbow woman. Huntress. Uh, sorry. And then I'm forgetting the crossbow about... crossbow killer. Yeah. I'm forgetting <laughs> about Huntress. And she, you know, it, it, she represents so many pieces, uh, some part of all of us, in that, you know, she wants to compliment all these badass women. And, you know, she's a little awkward. She was raised... I don't know. Is that a spoiler? Yeah. I'm any spoilers. scene after the first 20 minutes. Anything about Huntress is a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> but she's kick-ass. She's amazing. And she's got anger issues. And it's okay. So I, I really love this film. I think everybody should watch it. I can't share this film enough. What a wonderful surprise. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to speak to really quickly before we move on to what didn't work for us. First of all, it was cool that Stephen Williams is in it he plays he does not play a version of commissioner gordon he plays captain patrick erickson we don't even see the commissioner in this film which is actually an interesting choice especially since batman is referenced in this film no events from the Zack snyder films are mentioned no suicide squad is not mentioned you could actually take this film, pretend Suicide Squad doesn't even exist, and you'd be totally fine. you get the gist because it goes into Harley's past plenty on its own. As a matter of fact, in the Weekend Review, we talked about the cartoon Harley Quinn. Uh, so definitely check out that conversation. But it was actually really interesting how some of the elements of the cartoon and Harley Quinn's journey are similar to her journey in this film. In the sense that she decides to break up with Joker and it's about her establishing herself as an identity uh, post-Joker. Showing that she can stand on her own. And what an awesome, uh, I don't know what the right word is. Is it a methodology? I, I don't know where we always, you know, society is led to believe, especially comic book boys are led to believe, you know, that women cannot stand on their own, mm. whether she's a hero or a villain. And it's this constant struggle to have to convince comic boys that, no, this is actually what we want. 
Which is must we be wanna terribly see, frustrating. We want to see women on their own. Yeah. Uh, there's so much more than that. I have more to say about it, but you know, I'll, I'll take a step back. The, this movie is a nice fuck you to the comic book boys that are not with us and are rather against us. That's probably fair to, to say. I just, I can't remember exactly where I was going with that, but I just think it's it's really cool what, what they have been able to do with, with this film. And DC is on a roll. I'm hoping they continue it with Wonder Woman 1984. But let's talk about the bad. What didn't work for us in this? Uh, was there anything that stood out to you that either just like was a weak element, didn't quite click with the rest of the movie, or was flat out an issue? You know what? I I didn't see anything that I didn't like. Everything that was happening, I was either in awe, excited about, or rooting for the characters. Mm-hmm. I really loved everything about this film. I really did. I will say the only thing that I'm like not into is uh, music choice. Most of the music was pretty awesome in this. But man, I would really love... Th- there's a lot of like girl fight scenes happening at the moment. And I'd really love it if someone would use Rebel Girl. Someone did use Rebel Girl, I feel like. Uh, I I feel, I have to think. But I feel like that was used in a movie like last year or something. I'm looking this shit up. Yeah, yeah. So the title was not an issue for you? Absolutely not. Mm. I was like, Birds of Prey. Okay, well, people get creative. And there's enough superhero and villain films out there that we can be creative. Let's see what's going to happen. I was curious. Mm -hmm. And the subtitle of the film was not an issue for you? No. Yeah. No. I I thought as much. And quite frankly, after watching the film, I have more appreciation for the title. Why is that? Why is that? Why? Because, okay, so it's Birds of Prey, and you're like, okay, well, obviously, we're going to see the Birds of Prey. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. And I didn't think, oh, we're going to see the formation of it. But obviously you are, because why would they say Birds of Prey? Yeah, I I thought so. And then you see, and the emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Fantabulous. Fantabulous. Emancipation. And it's like, it's very symbolic. I feel like after watching the film and seeing how everyone, how the characters treated each other and how they were okay with each other Mm. and how they came together to, you know, kind of smash the patriarchy a bit. I feel like this this addition of Harley Quinn's piece mm-hmm. is so nice because we're all coming to watch it because of Harley Quinn. Yeah. And she's just... And Margot Robbie. Yeah. And she's just bringing, you know, this new possibility of a franchise takeoff with her. So it's kind of an empowering... I, I, I don't really know how to verbalize it, but I feel like it's an empowering gesture. Mm. And it's also hopeful for those of us who are struggling with relationships that we're in, uh, whether it be friends or, you know, non-platonic relationships. It's like, okay, you can come away from a toxic relationship. You know, you're going to be fine. Here's how Harley does it. You don't have to do it that way. Well, we if I can, I definitely 
don't think the title is is an issue of the movie because when you watch the movie you realize how that title is simpatico with what you see in the movie in the sense that it's the movie's being told by Harley Quinn in large form, mm. right? And it's her story, right? Like at least two thirds of the film is her story. It's also you know? her proving that she can stand alone. Okay, but let's you know? stay focused on this. Like okay. it's um it's her story, so of course it's the Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Just the 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 way the words are constructed there, it's very much in Harley Quinn's voice. Mm-hmm. So it works. It makes sense as a title. Now, you know, from a marketing perspective, you know, if you were to try to parse that out, what if it was just and what if it was just the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn? I don't think that would work as well on its own. I think like it being birds of prey and first of all, it allows people to just shorten it, shorthand it to birds of prey when they're talking. But it's um it's both things, right? It's Harley and the Birds of Prey. So I don't I mean so the the idea, the notion that the title itself is detracting people is quite absurd studio and, and typical studio head thinking. As far as issues that exist, I kinda ask myself, okay, this movie was a blast. I had a lot of fun quite enjoyable. What prevents this film from being one of the best movies that's going to come out this year. Like, what what keeps it from reaching that high bar, right? And while I think it is definitely likely to make my favorites list at the end of the year, you know, I think it's just, like, it's not trying to do a whole lot more than what what it is. Like, I'm not saying that it's not trying to do anything, but, I mean, it's it's an absolute blast. It's a... A fun film from a female perspective. It incorporates those female perspectives, which does touch on issues that women run into. And there's and there's absolute value. And it's awesome that this film exists because of all that. But, you know, I mean, like, this is not Parasite. This is not Marriage Story. This is not, like, these kinds of movies. This isn't Joker where it's, like, really, really reaching to grasp some universal truths, you know? Do I count that against the movie? No, that's not what the movie's trying to be. But that's the only thing that, like, I can think of that's like, well, this probably won't make the top ten of the year. You know, I, and I say this not to discourage anybody from seeing it, but, you know, trying to really dig and find something, you're scowling at me a lot for some reason, as though I'm scratching your baby here. Why would you even scratch a baby? What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm trying to say I'm not. What do you what do you what are you thinking here? Look, maybe it's just the angry feminist coming to the surface and let me be clear, like there are different levels of feminism and I experience a lot of them at once sometimes, okay? Because I am a multidimensional person. Uh, you know what? I love you. You're my husband. But when I hear your man voice talk about it's not like parasite it's not like marriage story i'm like yeah i agree it's 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 not it's not that kind of movie but then you say it's not like joker and then i'm like well in its own way it kind of is it's like the anti-joker though no 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 no
We're going to take a second here. Go ahead. And then when you say it's not grasping at anything universal, I beg your pardon. All these female characters in this film are showing universal shit that women have to fucking deal with. And here's angry feminist Shanna, and I'm okay to let her out right now. Because don't act. Like, I don't, I know you don't mean any harm, mm-hmm. but I think when you say stuff like that, it, it perpetuates and does cause harm. This is a fabulous piece of work that really shows shit women have to deal with in an entertaining comic way. Yeah. And how often do we get to deal with that, specifically for women? And uh, ugh, I have to breathe. Bring it home. Don't tell me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to hear another man say something similar that you just said, whether it's... See, Lady's getting upset now too. Her angry feminist is coming out as well. I don't want to hear that because it perpetuates and just irritates the shit out of me and every other woman. The only people who have a right to really analyze and dictate whether this has a universal thing or not is people who have vaginas or relate as women. You know, because that means that they've gone through shit that women go through in this patriarchally driven world. The reason why boys are getting upset about this is because they don't have to deal with any of the shit that these women deal with. And they probably aren't aware of it or woke enough to recognize that it is an issue that women are done dealing with. And this film brings about a celebration of, hey, woman, remember, you don't have to give a shit and let's break it and smash it up a little. Okay, so I totally I totally hear what you're saying. 100%. You're not going to get any fight from me about any of that stuff. And I just want to make clear what I was trying to say is that, first of all, a lot of what you're saying about the film and what I was saying is not the case with the movie. It's not an awful movie in any regard. It does touch on things that are important to see. I'm just, I just don't think this raises to the level of something like Dark Knight or, you know, these are coincidentally Joker movies I keep throwing out as, as uh, comparisons, but this isn't, you know, any, you pick any of the greatest superhero related movies ever made and i don't think that this necessarily rises to that level because i don't think it's working in necessarily the same level those movies are trying to work work in or trying to accomplish the same thing i will say to you this is the first female villain film and for isn't it there's no other female villain I mean, films i'm very hesitant to say i would say anti-hero film and like in terms of like an ensemble of female characters, I don't know how many female ensemble superhero movies can you even think of? I can't think of any. I could think of Supergirl. That's not a good example. Well, <laughs> you know, the only way you're going to get it right is if you keep making it and keep making it. How many sure. fucking Batman reboots and fucking Spider-Man mm-hmm. reboots do we fucking have? I will say, though, that... I don't know that I ever want to see another Harley Quinn. I think Margot Robbie is has made herself the definitive Harley Quinn. 
She's the first live action and will always be the best. Harley Quinn. Yeah. And there are lots of other villains, female identifying villains and heroes that we can explore. And this is the beginning. And we like should Poison keep, Ivy, right? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. And we should just keep going. How cool would it be if... Now you could take Poison Ivy and make a Joker version with showing women fighting for what's right and being slammed oh, down for it. When you're making that comparison, you're yeah. talking about a movie just about like, Poison you Ivy? You want something like the Joker? Like, like the eco You'd get it with Poison Ivy. I honestly love would love to see A, a sequel to this movie, first and foremost, yeah. and B, I would like to see Poison Ivy introduced in that sequel and the gal pal slash borderline non-platonic relationship that those two have, Harley and, and Ivy, would be really great to see on screen. But first we have to see a, uh, another Suicide Squad movie next year. Thankfully, Oh dear God, really? Well, thankfully also starring Margot Robbie. I do believe she is the only constant between the two films. And we'll see what happens. Uh, you might take solace in knowing that James Gunn, who did the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, is making that Suicide Squad film. Well, if he has some female writers, I'm all in it. I think that this movie definitely benefited from being F-rated. Let's get into spoilers, because we've talked for a good half hour without even getting into spoilers about this movie. And our final thoughts. But first, for those who have yet to see it... What are the things you want to leave them with? And does the good outweigh the bad on this one? If you were worried about it because of its title, don't be. Go watch it. You can always have an opinion after. But don't let the title bang you up. If you're looking to have a good time, go watch this. If you don't know anything about Harley, this is how you can find out about what she's like. There are similarities between this and the Harlequin show. So there's consistency here. It's, I feel like they're checking all the boxes. I feel like it's a great movie, good villain, appropriately placed villain, wonderful side characters. It's awesome. Thought as much. And what would you score it? Oh, I'm giving this thing a nine. Lady gives it a ten. Okay. And... Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. This is a, a, a very fun, awesome, hell of a ride. If you're looking for something fun, go see Birds of Prey without hesitation. If you're a woman, go with your girlfriends. T- you know, bring your husband. Your husband will have a, a great time or boyfriend as well. Guys, don't hesitate or to girlfriend. see. Yeah, guys, don't hesitate to see this film. Also, you will have so much fun with it. And there's, there's a lot to appreciate about Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Keep in mind, it's got 80% on Rotten Tomatoes out of three over 300 reviews. That's it's, really high. Yes, it does. It has Why 80, are people bitching? It has an 80% on audience score. So those who do see the movie do enjoy the film. I've only seen one random comment on any article of some guy claiming it's a terrible movie. And that is... He's just wrong. That person's just wrong. That person just, just go just see. Just sit down and shut the. The fuck good up. way drastically outweighs the bad in this film. I don't, you know, there's just not much to complain about 
with this. It, del- it is a film that delivers the goods. If you'll see a male ensemble film along these lines that delivers the goods, you have zero reason not to see a female ensemble film that is just as fun, if not more. So, so I give the film a 7 out of uh, 10 and uh, highly recommend it. It will definitely be on my favorites list more than likely at the end of the year. Now let's move in to spoilers and final thoughts. If you have seen the film, feel free to continue listening. If you have not, skip ahead to Film Faves. Check the show notes on the timestamp. Because starting now, we're going to talk spoilers for Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. The clothes are available for purchase at places like Hot Topic, I knew it'd be with Hot Topic. plus size, even Torrid. Oh my fucking god, guys. Wow. Go buy this shit. Wow. This is exciting stuff. Any other merchandising sides of the movie you want to pitch? I, not yet. <laughs> what, what, was there anything in the film that you want to go into more depth about? That we haven't really talked about much. I just, I, you know, we see this in the trailer. She's looking towards something with her fabulous, crazy, frayed uh, plastic jacket. And she's kind of tearing up and is like, no. And it's all about a girl's best friend, an egg bacon sandwich. Cheese. With cheese. cheese with fucking cheese and the butter. It's grilled. Fuck yeah. And I'm like, that's how I look at a good breakfast sandwich. And I would be super upset if it fell. You know, hangry is a real thing. <laughs> and I love that they show her hangriness. That's funny. You know? She's definitely someone you want to be on the good side of. Yes. And if you can make one of her greatest or most favorite meals, then... I want to be that for her. Stay on that side of her. <laughs> Because I I really do feel like she's like one mood or another. Either she absolutely loves you and appreciates you or you're going to get hurt. End of story. Yeah. I mean, like I would test the waters. I'd be like, what do we think? Yeah. And if I get like an inkling of like, no, then I'm like walking away. I'm like, okay, that's over. We're never going to be friends. Okay, that's fine. (laughs) You know. (laughs) But man, I just I just love all the things that are important to her like she has her stuffed beaver <laughs> and it's like okay. that ha- I don't know what the connection is there but it talks to her obviously and then she has she she's shopping for a, a, an exotic pet because you know that's the best thing to do is to go get a pet after a breakup and yeah it's like within the first five ten minutes of the movie yeah, yeah. and she finds a hyena and she names it Bruce I mean, it's just fabulous. The the layers are fun in this film. So I have two things I wanted to speak to. First of all, we should talk a little bit more about the antagonists in the movie. Black Mask and Mr. Zaz. Now, Mr. Zaz is a fairly C-level villain. I think I mentioned this character when I talked about Dark Knight, uh, having revisited that a couple months ago. And how I was really thrilled and surprised that Mr. Zaz makes an appearance in that film. Uh, he's he's a main not a main. He's a major supporting player in this film. Very different. Mr. Zaz is a, a, basically a serial killer. 
He likes to stab and carve up women. And what he also likes to do is he likes to make a scar for every one of his victims. In the comics, I think it's much more like hash marks, if I remember correctly, but it's been a long time since I've seen the comics with him. Uh, so here he plays Roman's right-hand man. And there is a moment that I really love that I think, like, I don't know if it necessarily represents the relationship or, or what, but there's a moment where Roman is losing his shit and Zaz takes his hands, gets real close up to him, and he says, it's going to be fine, I'm going to fix this, it's going to be okay, or well, whatever, you know? And just kind of, like, complete eye contact calms him down. It's and like he's his bro, you know? I, I like that it was moment. Almost, it was almost verging on, like, not homoerotic, but, like, it was almost verging on a non-platonic relationship that they might have. But it was just this, like, at the very least this grounding that he's able to provide, you know? Um, I really like that moment because I felt like he is really in love with him, you know? And if you're going to protect him, if you care about him that much, if you're his henchman, it's possible you love him. You're doing a lot of stuff for him that no other person would do. Like carve faces off. Yeah. I think he would do that for himself anyway. I think it's just amplified if he gets to do it for someone. Yeah, maybe. And Roman himself, like, Aaron McGregor's performance, like, it's so funny when he's, like, disgusted. Like, little things can disgust him. And he'll, he'll be like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But also, like, he will ask for really horrific things to be done to people on the other hand. But even he has certain turn-offs, you know? Yeah. Uh, And I thought, like, how they justified the whole black mask aspect of him was really well done. Because you got to ask, when translating a, a comic book character or a cartoon character to live action the whys why would someone do this why would they wear this it's one reason why you never saw wolverine wear his you know black and yellow cowl in the movies because it was really hard to justify him wearing that in the in the universe Mm -hmm. but here they sort of start to build on this idea that he has a fascination with masks from other cultures and you know maybe it's kind of part of how he started to adopt wearing a mask when he went out and did something presented to many goons right and uh why he might have taken on this persona as a mob boss as well you know a lot of mob bosses they have like a nickname or something like that and this is this is his though most of the movie no one really refers to him as black mask but still, I feel like, you know, they downplayed it, but also justified it as well. It didn't feel terribly silly. It worked in the context of the movie. And I'm just really happy to see Black Mask, a greatly underutilized crime boss character in the Batman comics, uh, brought to life on the screen in some way that works. I also, I should have said this sooner, but I love how this film represents, it's a It's a film that represents, you know, we have representation of many ethnicities in the main female cast. Uh, We have representation of LGBTQA. It's 
really awesome. Uh-huh. It shows us there is room for everyone in a single film. Absolutely. You know, so that's pretty fucking exciting. Certainly. Absolutely. And then there's the third act, which I, I feel like we should really talk about to an extent. I, I think one of the cool things about this movie is the action choreography. I yes. felt like the action was uh, well filmed. I could, for the most part, understand what was going on with maybe only a couple of exceptions. But the choreography, especially as the women work together, which, you know, it is one of those movies where the movie builds up to people coming together and working together in the third act. It it just is one of those things. It's hard to avoid that trope. But um, it works. It's a great trope. Yeah. It it works really well in, in this. And especially when you have the action choreography that you do in this. Which does have touches of femininity in it, which is a kind of brings something fresh to it. I loved how the choreography at the end, they had each other's backs. One would protect one, then she had to go further to get the goon. Then another one would step in automatically. And it was just, it was so lovely to see. Yes, but also, you know, you have scenes, you have moments where like, one of them gets punched in the breast and 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 speaks to that, or that shit maybe hurts, man. maybe another one is that her hair is getting in her way while fighting, and and another character offers oh, she's like, hair tie. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. I I mean, like these aren't things you see. Like you never see Sylvester Stallone offer Dolph Lundgren a hair tie. You know, what I mean, like <laughs> anything like that is just. Um, hey, do you have a spare rag? Oh Jesus! A spare headband? Oh. <laughs> It's something else. Oh, no. whatever it <laughs> Which, is. Which, by the no. way, even at, I think you pointed out, oh, a tampon was brought out in one moment too. So all these was little that things. In this movie, yeah, it was. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a tampon. So, there was a tampon in one of Harlequin's pockets, and another thing that was important, oh, a business card, in the other pocket. Yeah. So I just think that that is really great to see and see women represent women honestly and truthfully and bring all these little touches little tiny things to action scenes uh that's really cool harley on roller skates very helpful very cool to see in in a fight scene also a chase scene too is amazing because the amount of coordination equilibrium balance that one must have to be wearing roller skates on a circular spinning device i mean just thinking about it makes me want to throw up (laughs) you know so just really these little things they seem little and it just shows how how potent each of these heroines are yeah uh anything else you wanted to speak to that we haven't talked about in depth well, let's talk about Huntress. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yes, Huntress. Go ahead. You know, okay, we find out that she's uh, one of the surviving members of the assassinated mafia family. The only surviving yeah, sorry, member. Sorry, the only one. The Bertinelli's. Yes, and uh, we find out that, you know, her, her protector is going to raise her with his brother and father and all three of them are assassins. So she's getting raised by assassins uh, to eventually take on revenge. I'm not Um, sure what motivation a goon would have to raise a girl to essentially 
kill his boss. I mean, the movie doesn't. I can tell you. Okay, go ahead. The Diamond Fortune. Eventually, it's going to come out. And you want to be on the good side of this girl Mm. if you want a piece. It's way easier. Okay, all right. That that might be. That might be. It is. It was one thing. Oh, so he. They they might be. They might be good at heart because it's the goon with the heart of gold. But it's he was her bodyguard, essentially. But they had to turn on the family because of the other bad guys. Mm. And so maybe, you know. All right. All right. His conscience got the better of him. Okay. Yeah. And always let your conscience be your guide. I will say they talk about the Burton Hellies early in the film. Mm-hmm. They being Harley, really. And I should have thought at that moment, oh, the Burton Ellies. That's where, that's Huntress. Huntress is a Burton Ellie. But I it just, I was like, Burton Ellie sounds kind of familiar. And then they show later what happened and how Huntress became Huntress. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. She's a Bertinelli. It's Helena Bertinelli. Well, and okay, what I love about her is she's this totally skilled assassin, but she's super awkward around other women (laughs) because she hasn't, she's obviously been raised in isolation and she doesn't know how to be around other women. And that's okay. And she stumbles a little bit and she just perseveres and. You know, complimenting other women, it's it's difficult to do if you're not used to doing it. And then when you start doing it, it gets easier. And so I just, I really liked how she stumbled across complimenting Black Canary and kind of admiring, but also being afraid of Harley. You know, I'm glad that one of the characters was doing that. Another element to her is the fact that she is like got her own thing going on. You know, yeah, she, she is does not, say, I'm not whatever this well, let me, is. Let me finish. She, she, she has her own thing going on during the course of the, the movie. She is not part of the main story at all. And so when her story collides with the main story, she's kind of kind of put off guard, a little surprised by whatever's going on that she stepped into to achieve her mission, right? And yeah, she does eventually is like. I don't know what this is, but I'm just going to go. <laughs> and it, it's, yeah. it's great. Like Mary Elizabeth Winstead is not someone I would have cast offhand as the Huntress, knowing the Huntress as I do know her from the comics. But she brings so much as a completely different version of, of who Huntress is. She brings so much to the table. She sells the character and, and, and all these other elements we just explain kind of come to this character and and kind of make her uh, something that you just can't help but like and you want to see more of her yeah something that we also didn't mention in the non-spoiler section that we could have is that there's great representation of age here you've got someone in their sort of 50s someone in early 20s 30s you had mentioned different races and you had mentioned different oh, uh, sexual orientations, orientations yeah but you didn't mention age and yeah. that was one thing that really impressed me about this is you have everything from Harley Quinn, Margot Robbie, who's 29, mm-hmm. right? I think she turns 30 this year, later this year, to Rosie Perez, who is 56 years old, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And you have these other women who are in their mid to late 30s. 
great representation of age ranges of women and not a single one is really incapacitated because a they're not experienced or b they're too old so yeah. it's it's really cool it's it's a really diverse set of characters and i'm just so pumped as you should be well i think we have said all that there can be to say about this film what do you think of birds of prey Feel free to email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. Now it's time to move into film phase, where we count down our favorite movies around a particular topic, often marching backwards through time. In this episode, we're going to be counting down our favorite DC movies, both live action and animation. Film phase is a segment that is inspired by something that was a part of the Gibson Review blog. And part of the idea of it is to kind of give you a sense of our taste in film, but also to help expose you to movies that maybe you haven't heard of before. To that end, when applicable, we try to point you in the direction of a subscription service that a movie may be available to stream. We focus on Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, HBO Now, and Disney+. Plus. Some movies may be available to rent on Amazon, but the reality is not all movies are available to stream, period. But when it happens, it happens, and we try to note when it happens. Were you going to add something? Well, can't you claim that the DC channel is a streaming service, at least for this episode? Well, we haven't talked about adding DC Universe to our conversation because... In, in terms of, you know, future film faves, because it is such a, a very small niche market uh, or that it's working on, you know, they're usually superhero movies, and they're usually superhero movies created by DC, <laughs> you know? Um, and also right now I'm noticing that it's somewhat limited in the sense that it doesn't have much in the way of live-action movies. Usually most of what you'll find on there is the DC animated movies. So I think it's safe... So at least put that out there, you know? But I don't know that very many future discussions of film faves will feature movies available on DC Universe because of that. Does that make sense? Sure. All right. DC movies. DC has, a, you know, it has a very interesting history. Okay? So, like, in the sense that back in the day, it was DC who had the first superhero, successful superhero movie, right? Superman, the movie, which, if I remember correctly, came out in, like, 1979, 78 or something like that. It was the movie where you could believe a man could fly. There was other Superman movies. Most of them kind of sucked, and then Batman came along, and then most of Batman's movies kind of sucked, and anything else that came along the way of DC's in the 80s, or 90s, largely not that good. There's Supergirl, I think Swamp Thing had a movie out there at the time. Uh, not a whole lot of examples, but not a whole lot of great stuff. And then the turn of the century happened, and you had the Nolan verse, and things kind of went up from there, but then you had Zack Snyder, and things got rocky, and it's kind of just like this hill and valley. You know, if you were to make a graph of DC movies, boy, would there be some deep valleys and some steep hills in terms of quality films. 
you know, and then you throw in, of course, the animated films on top of that, and it just adds another layer to to the situation. Shanna, what was your experience building this list? Was this an easy one, being a comic book fan, comic book movie fan, or was it kind of hard to find movies that you really would like to say or claim as favorites? I mean, look, we did a lot of research on this. One thing that DC does really well, as you said, is animation. I think it's it's what separates them from Marvel a little bit, mm. and they've just got to keep persevering, you know. <laughs> In terms of the live action, yeah, stuff just or what? just keep going, just keep swimming. Um, Birds of Prey is a good a step in the right direction. I I don't think anyone can kind of top Chris. Chris Nolan's Batman mm. stuff. Like, I don't even... Why would you even try? At this point, give Batman a really nice break. Mm-hmm. Let some societal stuff happen. Mm-hmm. And then update... Uh, have, do an updated Batman film based on what our societal changes are then. He's not the only one in the comic books, you know. As we now know, because of the past several years of several solo films... So making the list, you know, I went through a lot of effort making it, but it wasn't too difficult because with the DC films, I'm either in love with that film or I'm not. Mm. It's kind of a waiting to fall in love thing. It's instant or it's not going to happen. I kind of feel the same way, but at the same time, building this list makes so clear how much more of a Marvel fan I am than a DC fan. Because I feel like there's way more Marvel films that I feel passionately about than there are DC films. Even though you're absolutely right, the Marvel's animated movies aren't nearly as good as DC's. Mm. Which, by the way, are often very mature and very much like teen and up kind of tone and, and, and you know storytelling, quality of storytelling. And I think that I, I kind of applaud them for showing, hey, you know, just because it's animated, just because it's about superheroes that you're familiar with does not mean it's for kids. That's kind of ballsy of them to go that route. Yeah. But let's see if any of them, any of those movies made our list. Why don't you tell us what your number 12 favorite DC movie is? My number 12 is Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. No kidding. Yeah. You know, they just won two Oscars uh, for Best Actor and for Best Score. And they totally deserve it. I thought that this was a really unique idea. This is what you should do with a character that's been shown in the media over and over and over again. Do something different. Do something that updates societal commentary, you know. It's not just haves and haves nots, you know. It's about people being ignored by a completely flawed and selfish system. Uh, which is happening, whether you like it or not. You know, it's very difficult to get medical coverage uh, if you are not born here. Even if you are a taxpayer, it's very difficult. And eventually, you know, you realize that it's not just uh, immigrants that feel that that are suffering from this. It's citizens that are being wronged by the the system that exists in the government right now uh lots of other commentary too but we have spoken about this film in the past so if you'd like you can go and check that out yeah i think what you're speaking to with that film is it's very much of now very much of the trump era uh film reacting and you know 
That almost made my list, but then I rewatched it mistakenly the day after Trump was acquitted. And I was just like in so much despair watching that movie. I was like, man, this is not a fun movie. So I took it off my list as, as a movie I could claim as a favorite of mine. But I'm glad it got included in yours. My 12th favorite DC movie is actually on the animated side of things, which we talked a lot about of these movies over the course of uh, several months since October. This one is Justice League New Frontier, which was the first really edgy Justice League movie I saw. I was very surprised by it. This isn't necessarily kid gloves, but it takes this idea of these superheroes existing in the early 60s and and what would happen if that was the case in that time. It's kind of like this Silver Age period of, of the comics, only... You know, Wonder Woman is actually closer in line with the Frank Miller version of Wonder Woman, where it's, you know, really more focused on the warrior aspect of her, the feminist warrior aspect. And so it's kind of interesting how she butts up against people like Superman and, and all these different characters that get introduced in this. Hal Jordan is in it, uh, the Green Lantern and his origin and, and stuff. And I just... The, the the style, which is modeled after Darwin Cook, his original graphic novel, which is Justice League New Frontier, has this really kind of cool, nostalgic, other, other time kind of look to it. And it's really makes the film really unique. So I enjoy Justice League New Frontier. What's your number 11? My number 11 is Justice League versus Teen Titans. Really? What a wonderful, youthful movie. We get to see the Teen Titans. Uh, and this isn't the this isn't like Teen Titans Go. This right. is like the next round. But like Raven's it, part of it. It's it's in this universe that started with war, right? Oh this, yes. What do they call it? They call it there's actual official terms for some of these oh, okay, cool. uh, movies. It's tell me fanboy. DC animated movie universe, which I only okay. learned about from watching these things. Yeah. It's the sixth movie in that series. Yes. So I, I really enjoyed it for you know, we get to see Beast and Beast Boy? Uh, Beast Boy, and we get to see uh, Robin as in Batman's son, and we get to see uh, who else is in there. It's Raven. Yeah, Raven's a big part of it, right? Specifically, I love seeing Raven specifically, and it just, Starfire is the the principal, you could say, the leader. I just really love seeing Raven. I mean, she's got a... I didn't know her backstory, and I loved seeing it. And so sometimes it's really nice to have this theme of, oh, we think the story is going to be really about Robin's journey. But honestly, it's it's more like Raven's journey, and, and Robin's just along for the ride. And I kind of I like that. I like when we think that it's mostly going to be about one character, and it ends up being about another. Mm, very good. Very good. My next film is Shazam, actually. Hey, that's my next film. Oh, is it really? Uh, yeah, this movie is not perfect. I feel like it's sometimes tonally inconsistent. I'm not a fan of the 
the creatures in it and their CGI, or at least they're not so much their, their CGI as much as their creature designs. Mm. They're very indistinct from one another. But, but, but this movie is, is so much fun and so funny. It's way better than I expected it to be. Now, talk about a movie that had a trailer that didn't necessarily sell me on the film. I, I was interested, but I wasn't sold that this movie would be as good as it is. So I have a lot of fun with it, and the third act reveal with its characters is just gold. It so, still works so well. Hmm. What, are you, what are your thoughts on it? It's, it's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination. Birds of Prey is definitely more perfect than this one. I will agree, um, yes. It, but it's fun. It's it's one that the kids can go watch, and I get to see one of my favorite actors, who is the villain, Mark uh, Strong. Yeah, I love seeing Mark Strong, even if he's been, uh, even if it's not a good depiction of Mark Strong. Well, he's done um, a lot of these kinds of movies too, which is interesting yeah. as a villain. Yeah, you know, I, I I think this is a fun film to watch, so that's why it's on my list. Yeah, absolutely. So that bounces back to me, I guess, and. My 10th favorite DC movie is, again, going back to the animated stuff, Batman Under the Red Hood. You know, I, I was thinking what animated movies would probably count on my list. And I was like, oh, I should probably count the ones that I own. <laughs> and, yes, because if you own them, surely you like them enough. Right, exactly. And Batman Under the Red Hood was one of those. And I... Recently bought it to about like eight dollars or something like that to revisit it and watching it again. It really worked for me. I was very impressed with uh, most of how this story of I mean, like, first of all, right off the gate, it opens with Joker murdering Batman. It, it or not Batman. Sorry, uh-huh. I misspoke. Murdering, uh, Joker murdering Robin. It adapts Batman Death in the Family within the first uh, 10 minutes or so. And that is like, that really sets the mood for the movie. It's like, whoa, right out of the gate, this is what you're starting with? All right, I'm in for a ride here. And I think the rest of the film really works. You know, sometimes there will be a movie with a villain reveal and you're like, please, you know, I don't know about that. But it it is one that really that works for me, and there's a lot that happens in it that's uh, uh, pretty interesting. So that Batman Under the Red Hood is my tenth favorite. Yeah, my number nine is Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, very good. Uh, yeah, and that's a really fun one because it looks at how close Batman was to getting married, and then mm. you know. His origin, too, right? Yeah, yeah. you know. Beyond the whole All death the of my time. parents, but no, after that. Like, what happened in the following 15 yeah. years? Yeah. You know, there's a mystery. We don't know who the phantasm is. And uh, it, we get to see Batman detecting just as much as he <laughs> is fighting. And I, I don't think we get to see that enough often. So I really like that one. It was great animation, great voice acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, is the Joker in this one? Yes, yes. he is. Mm-hmm. And, and it's Mark it's Hamill's Joker. So. Really well justified, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not just, well, if we have Batman, we have to have the Joker. Right. You know, so really fun. I loved it so much. That was on my favorites list uh, mm-hmm. because that is so good. But there was just so many movies I was trying to fit into this list. I couldn't. 
I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't fit it on. Uh, yeah. Oh, and just real quick, it's the same kind of animated style as the Batman animated TV show. So if yes. you really love the look of that, you'll get more of that in this movie, which is really fun. That's correct, because it was the, it is part of the Timverse, as they call it. Ah, uh, yes. It is actually a movie based on that animated series. And I think there's like three or four movies based on that animated series, but that is by far the best one. So that's cool. My ninth favorite DC movie is Watchmen. A movie that, you know, it's very interesting. Like how at one point this movie would have ranked in my top three favorite DC movies, three favorite superhero movies. But over time, I kind of just like, mm, you know, let's move it a little bit more more down. Uh, a little bit more. I, I just, I, I think... I'm not really sure how I can articulate why that is. Like, maybe it's a movie where as we've had more and more time away from it, the cracks have appeared a little bit more clearly to me. Where at one point I was like, we should we should thank our lucky stars such a movie exists. You know, it's so <laughs> bold. It's so daring. What it does. No one does this. This is awesome. And all that's kind of true, but it's also not flawless. It's very unique in its own way. It's and... also very sincere, like Joker is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I would say this is probably more of a fun time than Joker is. Yes. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it makes, makes On the my spectrum, list. it's kind of our midpoint, yeah, maybe. Yeah, Or a little bit off towards Joker. And really briefly, an amazing commentary on the director's cut Blu-ray. Uh, such an awesome Blu-ray and worth checking out if you're remotely a fan of this. So, yeah. What's your eighth favorite DCM movie? My number eight is Batman. The Jack Nicholson Batman. Yes. The Tim Burton Batman. Very cool. I, I really like this one because, you know, <laughs> like you think Joker and you rank all the, the performances. I mean... For a good time, Joker, Jack Nicholson is perfect. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really know what else to say about it other than it's my favorite Tim Burton version, uh, you know, f- uh, Batman film. It's quirky. It's fun. It's weird, mm-hmm. which which totally makes sense. I remember watching it when I was maybe 10 and thinking, what the fuck is going on here? And well, it's because it's Tim Burton and the Joker. So real quick question. You have a history of watching franchises backwards. Did you start with Batman and Robin? And you work your way back to 1989 Batman? How old was I when Batman and Robin came out? Ten. Well, then there we go. We have our answer, don't we? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. (laughs) Well, you know, my parents didn't know the order of stuff, but you do. So the next kid will be fine. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. All right. So my next favorite DC DC animated, it's not animated, DC movie in general is uh, my eighth favorite it's superman 2 which is a movie that i almost moved off in favor of something like mask of the phantasm but i was also like but i've always loved superman 2 like the idea of having superman fight other kryptonians is so cool and of course it kind of brought about the iconic uh, Neil before Zod and all that sort of stuff, but Terrence Stamp as the original Zod, General Zod. So great, so iconic. It's a fun film. I kind of prefer the Donner cut over 
the other i think it's richard fleischer who did the who the original theatrical cut of the movie i mean i gotta kick it old school here and give some love to the christopher reeve superman and superman 2 is my pick uh i've always loved it more than the superman the movie which has the ridiculous spin around the world sort of thing i'm going to save lois lane by reversing the axis of the earth and time travel that way kind of thing anyway there's a lot of silly stuff but whatever i, I love that shit what's your number seven lovey shit indeed um <laughs> just playing <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a lot of fun playing with fanboys. Okay, so number seven for me is The Dark Knight for Christopher Nolan. So, number seven. Number seven. That's yeah. very surprising for you. I mean, it's this is fantastic. I mean, look at that. There's two Joker movies together for me on my list. Oh, yeah. okay. You could even argue three because Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I really love how d- disturbingly manic and action-driven all of that energy is from the Joker that's in this film. You know, this is a really good film. I love the freaking score. I love the stunt work. It's just... I mean, this was the first time we saw the Joker like this. You know, he that, that scene where he's rigged up the hospital to blow up and he tries to push the button and it's not working and it's not working and he's having this moment of like trying to slam the button into himself and stuff like that. And then when it does blow up, he kind of walks away nervously <laughs> as if acting, oh, yeah, yeah, acting yeah. as if it wasn't him. And it's like, dude... Or that it was bigger than he anticipated. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, it was lovely. Yeah. All right. Well, that might not be the last you hear of that film. My next favorite DC film, we're going to kick back to the animated ones. Superman, Batman, Apocalypse. This is a movie that predates the whole New 52 uh, DC AMU animated movie universe. This is when DC got really earnest and serious about starting to make these animated movies in the first place. Back, uh, it started in 2007 with Superman Doomsday, terrible movie, and New Frontier followed. This movie came out in, I don't know, 2010, I think? Just a couple years before they decided to hit the reset button. And I really enjoy it. Like, it, it introduces Supergirl. It has a really cool Supergirl story. It has a really cool dark side story. And it actually has some humor to it. I think, if I remember correctly, this is the one where people kind of react a little bit to Batman. It was a little odd, if I remember correctly. And I think it has Superman. Oh, it has Big Barda, which is like, okay, Big Barda's in here. That's a character that most people aren't familiar with. But here you go. And she's kind of a badass uh, too. Anyway, I, I don't know. Like people rag on this movie for some reason in the like fandom of the animated movies. They rank it pretty low. But it I really liked this uh, movie. It works really well for me. So that's Superman, Batman, Apocalypse. Shanna, we're at the halfway mark. What is your next favorite DC movie? My number six DC movie is Justice League, The New Frontier. Uh, 
There's a lot I like about this film, but the best and most relevant part to today's climate is this perfect speech from Superman. Today there are no Democrats, no Republicans, and they come together to achieve a common goal. I, I also really love the Martian in this one. Martian Man, Andrew? Yeah, oh, I love him so much. Awesome. My sixth favorite DC movie is Man of Steel, which I still contend is among the top five DC movies of the past 10 years. Uh, Zack Snyder's film with a wonderful score by Hans Zimmer that I think is up there with any other superhero iconic score. I hear it, I get it stuck in my head. Sometimes all I have to do is think about it and I get it stuck in my head. Oh yeah, it's in my head right now. It's See, it's so <laughs> stirring. It works so well in the scenes that it's implemented in. Like when he's taking flight for the first time and, and a couple other things. It's just so awesome. There's so many other things about that film that works so well. I actually like Lawrence Fishburne as Perry White. I think Amy Adams is one of the best Lois Lanes there ever was, next to Dana Delaney from the Superman animated series. It really works for me, and I was really skeptical of Michael Shannon as Zod. I was like, well, why bring that character back? There's so many other characters you could do, but he works. He actually manages to do something that works alongside Terrence Stamp's version of Zod, and it also has some of the best Superman action ever done ever filmed so man of steel my sixth favorite dc movie my number five is dark knight returns and i know we spoke about this not in the previous bonus episode that we just recorded but the previous episode to that and we spoke about it at quite great length but the reason this is on my list is because it covers so much and it does it so fucking well i'll remind the listeners that I was watching this film and I was like, this needs to be a live action. If any story was going to be live action, it needs to be this one. And you, you pointed out to me that this is what Zack Snyder tried to combine into his Superman V, v uh, Batman v, v, the VVs of Superman and Batman, you know, with Zack Snyder. And it, it, this is Batman's story. Batman has to run up against Superman for a couple things because of where Superman stands in his beliefs or rather, you know, forgets what's important within his beliefs. But it's really Batman's story. It's Batman's story of how much, how deeply he cares about his community and how much he wants to make a change and uh, whether it's within himself or uh, those around him. And it also shows us, you know, who's capable of change and who isn't. Uh, we get to see a bunch of villains that we're familiar with, and we get to see new characters too. And it's just a fascinating movie, and there's a lot to chew on, a lot of things that can be applied today. This is one of those movies where we can look at it 10 years ago, you know, if it existed, we can look at it a decade ago, and we can apply it to what was happening a decade ago in whatever society. And now we look at it and we can apply it to exactly what's going on right now. It, it makes you question. It challenges liberal movements and what we think of them. And that's, it's always good to challenge belief systems and to make sure that we're actually thinking about the bigger picture. That movie is capital G great movie. And I was trying so hard to try to figure out 
how to squeeze it into this movie, but I just or this list, I mean, but I just couldn't without bumping other things off, and it was a really tough call. But I'm so so glad that it ended up on your list, so because it's definitely worth shouting out to. So that's awesome. My next favorite DC film is going back to the animation. My number five is Death of Superman. Now, I couldn't commit myself to saying The Death and Return of Superman, which is the film that is a combination of Death of Superman and Reign of the Superman, edited as one two-hour-plus film, does not raise to the level of Dark Knight Returns that you just talked about, but the first half of that Death of Superman is awesome it is so effective it sells the stakes really well it is not afraid to be gory it is not afraid to be mature or real about the situation as much as it can be and it's got really good voice acting in it and uh it just it's just such a, a strong adaptation of the 1992 death of superman storyline uh, in the comics so I was very impressed with this and it had to make my list somehow so Death of Superman in particular is one of my favorites Shannon we're in the top four now what's your fourth favorite DC movie here we go my number four is Watchmen this was my first you could say anti-hero exposure it was the first movie we bonded over. It was the first one of the first movies we bonded over, for sure. Actually, no, you're right. I know I oh, am right. Oh, look at you. It was our first emails <laughs> we talked about um, that. The yeah. other one was Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Uh, so just a really stunning film. The visual effects were great. The cinematography was awesome. I loved the soundtrack, except for one song. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's placement. You probably could have kept it in there, just placed it somewhere else. You know the song if um, you've seen the movie. Yeah, you know, I like. don't need to tell yeah. <laughs> anyone anything. Yeah. You know, it's the more... You could say Dark Knight Returns is the less in your face way of pointing out and challenging things that are happening in society. Watchmen is in your face about it. It's like, no, you obviously don't know how to question things yet. So this is a good intro. So here we go. Um, how to question this, that, and the next thing. I love that film. We own like all the versions. All so. the versions. Threw all the money at it because it needed <laughs> it. Oh. Yeah. And I own all the books, <laughs> all the Watchmen movie books that came out. Like the art of the art like of that. Clay Enos and, uh, you know, the concept work and all mm. that jazz. Yeah, very cool. I'm glad you have it. My fourth favorite DC film is Birds of Prey. That's my number three. Oh, <laughs> that's fantastic. OK, so we just reviewed the film. We were glowing about the film. I'm not sure after having talked about it for half an hour, half an hour to an hour, how much more I could add to that conversation. But again, Margot Robbie is just such an extraordinary talent and she is so awesome in this film. I mean, this is a woman who can do something like I, Tanya and Harley Quinn, Tanya Harding, Harley Quinn. You can't get too far apart from each other in roles. You know, she played what Mary Queen of Scots. 
Yeah. Um, she, no, was she was not Mary. She was Queen Elizabeth. She was Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, she played Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. And she could play Harley Quinn. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, the woman is extraordinarily talented. And here she embodies Harley, the Harley I grew up with from the animated series. Mm-hmm. She embodies so well. I don't, you know, forget comic literal translation like you know some people are like well she's not wearing the outfit it's like come well on. she's reinventing herself fucker who cares you don't need that outfit you know and, you know and what they've been able to do with the character design of harley with her different colors of hair and all this uh, the tattoos and and everything it's very modern it works it makes sense it feels real She's awesome, and all the other characters in this movie are awesome as well. I will shut up. Shanna, what else do you have to add <laughs> about Birds of Prey? Obviously, it's a movie that we're going to have a hard time shutting up about this year. Um, This is like, this is what the little girl in me wants when she grows up and she's able to watch it, you know? This is what she wants, and thank you for giving me what I want. And it's very exciting to see something that's so inclusive in all the different ways that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And the, we all know that Margot Robbie, like her acting kills, you know, it's very exciting. I hope we haven't seen the last of her. I hope we get more of her. I hope we get more of her fucking around with her friends too. As Harley Quinn. As Harley Quinn. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So my third favorite DC film of all time is 1989's Batman with Tim Bur- or by Tim Burton with Jack Nicholson, Michael oh, Keaton. You know, on, on the one hand, it's like, okay, well, this thing's like over 30 years old, or I'm over 30 years old. <laughs> this thing is 30 years old. You know, so like most of my life has had this movie, and it was such a huge, iconic presence in 1989 the marketing was insane for it the madness when a movie when the movie came out was insane for it i still have vague memories of that time period when i learned one of my brother's friends had a copy of it on vhs it was like (gasps) you know like i gasped it was like oh my god that's such a good movie you know or whatever you know um oh it was little you doing that yeah and and, and, come on man like Let's let's talk about a little piece of it. The opening title sequence mm. with this kind of labyrinthine thing that the camera is going around. Um, and you have this score by Danny Elfman that mm. slowly builds into what it is. And then as it shows this labyrinth to be actually the logo of the bats, and that's its title, you know, it's just it's all so, so cool. Uh, there's so much about this movie that's so awesome. And I, look, like, there's other movies that are better than it, I'm sure. Other Joker movies that are better than it, sure. But this is on the level of Birds of Prey in terms of what it's trying to do. It's pop. It's fun. It's awesome. It's a little darker, maybe, although it's not nearly as brutal. Birds, as of, Birds of Prey is better. Okay. And more relevant. Uh, not arguing relevancy. I'm just saying it's just pure pop superhero fun. And it, it's it's enjoyable. So I love that. All right. My number two is... I think this might have been my first DC movie, you know, after watching the animated Batman animated show, like, years before, is Wonder Woman from 2009. Oh, I introduced you to this. This was your first animated 
Didn't I introduce you to this? No. Stop taking credit, you <laughs> fucking male. Okay. <laughs> I just, I thought that was no. our conversation. Our no. Conversation. No. No, shush. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Go I love go you. Ahead. Stop it. Go ahead. So go ahead. Wonder Woman from 2009. This was very exciting. I, I didn't know that there was a Wonder Woman movie. And so I think I watched it in 2010. And I still remember I was watching it in the kitchen and it was very exciting. And I loved how they portrayed Wonder Woman. I loved who voiced her. It was Carrie Russell. Uh, My favorite moment is when, you know, she comes from Themyscira to, is she in, is she ending up in New York? Where is she ending up? Which city? It's either DC or New York. I don't remember. Okay. So she ends up in human city and this little black girl is, 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 sniffling on the bench and Wonder Woman comes straight up to her, sits down and asks her what's going on and she shares that the boys won't let her play sword fighting, not even a little bit. And Wonder Woman proceeds to say, well, they're doing it wrong and this is how you actually do it and she teaches this girl how to sword fight The, you know, she's like, okay you got it now and the little girl's like mm-hmm she goes and kicks ass and all the boys are running away you know because she's this she's now a killer swordsman with a wooden sword you know so it just there's little moments in that film like that and i just i just love it i also love how the villain's demise happens too. well i see you're carrie russell and i raise you one gal gadot and okay, Wonder fine. Woman from 2017 <laughs> is my second favorite DC movie ever made. A movie that I have not been quiet about since we saw it in 2017, you know, the beginning of The Movie Lovers. Mm. A movie that has often ranked higher on my list than yours. Maybe that'll be the case this time again. We'll see. But that movie is why I'm looking forward to Wonder Woman 1984 so much. It was kind of a split vote in our 2020 preview of whether or not that was the movie that was our second or our most favorite. I mean, uh, it was your most. It's my second. Yeah. Yeah. So I just absolutely love that film. It's not perfect like many of the movies that we've talked about. It has its flaws, too, just like Shazam and and some others. Usually these flaws are with the villain, which is very interesting. But at any rate, it's just so much more. And I remember us watching the film and you crying when we saw certain aspects of it because it was such a release, so inspiring, you know, for so many people to see this character on the screen. It was an awesome experience, still is an awesome experience. I adore the Blu-ray edition special edition that we have of it but um so yeah that's my second favorite shanna what is your number one favorite dc movie of all time it's wonder woman with gal gadot <laughs> it's ranking higher than you for, for a change yeah. <laughs> uh, based on that i think i know what your number one is but mm. you know everything you said been waiting all my life and then some for a Wonder Woman movie and finally we got it and Patty Jenkins fucking made sure that it was done right. Yep. And not I, an easy task. No, but whatever you want done right, I think give it to Patty and she'll make sure, you know, it delivers. And it, it was just awesome. I love how they portrayed Wonder Woman's superpower being so heavily weaved in with emotion because that is a woman's superpower. 
Yeah, I mean, that's all I can really say about it. I'm looking forward to the next one and I will always support Patty Jenkins' work and I will always support Gal Gadot's work. Fantastic, including the Fast and the Furious movies. Oh, no, 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 that's the, you know... (laughs) When she's a, a superhero, that's uh, what I'll, uh, I'll do. I'm well, not, she is I'm quite the super gal in Fast and Furious. You no, should I'm really check doing, that out. No, we're not going there. But <laughs> my favorite DC movie of all time is, what do you think, Shanna? Is it The Dark Knight Rises? No. I'm sorry, The Dark it, Knight. You only get one guess. The Knight that's of the Dark. That's how this works. <laughs> it is Dark Knight from 2008. <laughs> Available on Netflix is the only movie on my list that is available on any streaming platform that isn't either renting on Amazon or watching on DC Universe. So, eh, sorry. That's just how it is, I guess, right now. Yeah, I mean, come on now. It's Dark Knight. It's considered the greatest superhero movie ever made. Uh, This thing transcended the superhero genre. A lot of people compare it to Michael Mann's crime films. And you know that opening with... The bank heist uh, with all these different robbers dressed in clown masks. Man, that was a good scene. That is the reason, one of the reasons why people kind of make that comparison to one of the best crime filmmakers of the modern modern filmmaking history. It's an exceptional film. We, as you alluded to, I rewatched it sometime during the fall uh, season, and it was a hell of a film. Still stands up very well. It's messages on surveillance, which is really fascinating. I don't know, man. I don't know that I could say anything more clever or creative than many other smarter people have said about it. It's just, it's a great film. And if you're old enough that you're just now getting to that age where you're discovering it, then go check it out on Netflix and uh, waste no time. Uh, If you can, watch Batman Begins first. But definitely watch The Dark Knight. Hmm. All right, so what are your favorite DC movies? Feel free to email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. Before we talk about the next episode and what that's going to look like, Shanna, share with people where they can find you on the internets. So you can find me politely and kindly at Shanna underscore Paxton underscore photography on Instagram. See you there. Go to the main site, thegibsonreview.com. Find all the best of the 2010s articles on there, best of 2019 article is on there, um, as well as, most recently, you'll see an article about the best DC animated movies. Uh, that should be published by the time this podcast hits your ears. Go to social media on Facebook slash The Gibson Review or Instagram, The Gibson 99 You'll find various things on each of those platforms. I think Instagram might be a little bit more active than Facebook is, as I do post polls in the Instagram story for you to vote on. You can also go to Flickchart, the Gibson 99, find me there and all the movies, theatrically released movies I've ever seen on that. Uh, Next time, The Movie Lovers. So... For episode 76, we're kind of up in the air on what exactly it's going to focus on. The original plan was for it to be a review of the much-talked-about, super-hyped Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It was supposed to open wide on the 14th, 
but uh, we will have to see if it's actually available and if we can do that. And if not, I don't know, we might review Sonic the Hedgehog or something else. I don't know. Until then, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying bye-bye.